guys welcome to episode 12 of vibing in valentino so i'm gonna do something a little bit different this week and instead of doing a weekly weakness i'm going to do a weekly update so it's super girly for the past like month month and a half i have been off of birth control for the first time in like 15 years well that's a lie i'm not turning 30 i've been on it since i was 15 so i've been i'm turning 27 so 12 years over a decade of non-stop just like the pill because i was on it for cramps that were debilitating i'm talking about cold sweats and nausea every it was just painful so i was put on birth control for that it's been about four weeks and my skin you guys is freaking the fuck out and i don't even know what to do so if any of you guys have any tips on how to get your skin under control when you're getting off birth control please let me know you know it's kind of crazy because i've been on it since i was 15 so i didn't really know i guess myself off of it which is kind of weird right like to think about it like what if you're like this whole different person when you're not on birth control like what if you're really not that crazy <laughs> and it turns out <laughs> I'm not. I have been very, like, emotionally very, very balanced lately, and I've been mentally very clear. It's, oh, Yakuza says hi. Um, mentally very clear, like, there's no brain fog. I don't know what it is. I think, yo, what the fuck? What are you doing? What are you barking at? I'm not going to edit this out, you guys. And I have been through some things these past few months. He's under the couch growling at something, and I'm not sure what it is. Because that's me. Yo, that's me in the mirror. He's growling into this mirror. I don't know if he's growling at his reflection or me or my reflection. Because that's me, babe. Anyway, I've been through a lot of things like in my personal life the past month, and I feel like I have such a good handle on things that it was even shocking to me. If I hadn't been so balanced emotionally and mentally, things would have gone a little bit different. But, you know, for anybody who's been on it for a while, I obviously am not making, like, any advice to anybody to just get off birth control or stay on it or whatever. But I just wanted to share my experience with you guys. Anybody who has tips for getting your skin under control, getting off of birth control, please drop me a DM. I would love to know. Okay, without further ado, let's get into a conversation with our guest of the week. You guys are going to love her. Our guest this week was one of the cast members of season 21 of the hit show, The Bachelor. She eventually won the final rose and went on to become engaged to Nick Vial. Did I say that right? Is it Vial or Vial? I think he says Vial, Vial, Vial. I would say, I would say Nick Vial. Okay. A personification of the phrase beauty and brains. She has a BA in public affairs as well as in education. She was a special education teacher and is currently a founder of the No Better You Foundation. She also hosts her own podcast show called Help I Suck at Dating with fellow Bachelor alums. Vanessa Grimaldi, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Hi, thank you Hi. so much for having me. Of course. So please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what made you want to pursue special education as a career. So I think special education has always been something that was in my family's blood. My sister is a teacher. My mom is a teacher. Um, and I remember when I was in high school, so this backtracks to grade 7, 8, 9, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in grade 10, I that is in... Quebec called secondary four and that's when you have to decide what you want to do when you're older which is kind of crazy to think about it you're so young and you have to decide what do I what do I want to do what do I yeah. want to be for the rest of my life yeah and I went into a school um and there was there was a part of me that was like I just want to be in front of a classroom I want to I want to teach and I shadowed a classroom at a special education school it specialized in special education mm -hmm. and the teacher was actually a former math tutor of mine and it was so random and wow. the stars aligned that day and I was so comfortable being in her classroom and I interacted with her students and then for some reason a switch went off and I'm like hmm maybe I should pursue public affairs mm -hmm. and that was my competitive side that came out because it was a very small program yeah you had to do an interview to get in you had to write an essay um, and I, they accepted, I can't even tell you how many, like a very, very few amount of people. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and at that time, I really loved it until I started needing, needing money and I went back into the school system and I'm like, let me start tutoring. Yeah. So I started tutoring, um, not in the special education field, but English as a second language to immigrant students. Gotcha. And they were, they were all adults, um, over 21. And I connected with them so much because a lot of them came to Canada without family, uh-huh. without friends. Yeah. So I became their friend, their their tutor, their therapist, their go-to person. And then once I I graduated from public affairs at Concordia in Montreal, Mm -hmm. I actually started teaching English as a second language for a couple of years Mm -hmm. until I realized, well, I actually want to be on, I I want to be making a salary. Um, I want to be um, unionized and all those things. So I went back to university and I got my uh, education degree in Ottawa, Got it. and this is a program that doesn't—I don't think it exists anymore. It was a um, a four-year program condensed into one year. Oh my God! Yeah, so you needed former teaching experience. You which needed you a had. which I had, program. and you needed a university degree, which I already had. So it was the most amazing experience. It was the first time that I moved away from home because up until. Up until I got back from The Bachelor, mm-hmm. I was still living in my mom's house. Right, right. So I was 28, I think, when I came back from The Bachelor. Yeah. And I was still living in my mom's. So this is the first time I was like 26 years old, 27 years old. I went uh, and moved away for a year in Ottawa. Did you like And that? I really did. Just to like leave home for a while and like find yourself and all that stuff, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 You, you learn how to, you know, just... I had to learn how to do everything on my own because I lived so close to my family. I mean, I lived at my mom's house. Yeah. But my family was maybe a five, my grandmother was a five-minute drive from my house. My sister was a super close drive from my house. Uh-huh. So this was, um, it was it was amazing. And I have lifelong friends now because of that journey. So yeah, that's amazing. Definitely worth, yeah. And I love, I love what I do. Yeah. So you come back, and how did you? How many years of experience do you have as a teacher? As tutoring aside, as a teacher in general, um, I think it was five years. You chose to teach adults, right? So when I was teaching prior to my university, my uh, education degree, I was teaching adults. Mm -hmm. During my education degree. I ended up having a practicum in pre-K, which okay. the students are three and four years old. Yeah. Heavenly. I remember That's praying. So I prayed and I said, Lord, I just want to be surrounded by three and four-year-olds because they're so young at that age. Their minds are like sponges and they yeah. want to learn and they yeah. want to know what's next. and They want that routine and mm-hmm. they're inspired by the smallest things. Right. Um, and I ended up getting that practicum and then I got a practicum for a grade five, six split class in an inner city classroom. Mm-hmm. And that was also very eye-opening, getting to break down the walls of students because they don't really, they didn't want another authority figure coming into their classroom. And it was right. hard for me to get to their level and understand like, okay, what's really going on? Mm-hmm. And that's when I um, connected with, I remember there was a student that was going through something difficult and the teacher that I was working with said, you know, a great idea if we he loves hockey let's play hockey with him during recess so that mm-hmm. we can connect with him and build that bond so that they they can trust and come to us right. if ever there is an issue back home um and so i learned a lot during those experiences so i would say five years teaching one a little bit over a year in special education okay. and that kind of just fell on my lap so the way that the system works is in the um adult sector, if you have a university degree, doesn't necessarily mean you need to have a teaching degree. Mm-hmm. You could teach English as a second language, okay. French, you can teach special education, as long as you have a university degree. Mm-hmm. If you're specialized in education, then you have seniority, you have présence, um, um, like you have to stay longer to, to do your work, I don't mm-hmm. know what's called in English. So. I ended up having my university degree and there was a position open for a special education classroom. And the principal said, why don't you try it out, see if you connect with the students, because ultimately, you have to have that connection. Right. You have to know 
how to interact with the students right. and understand what are their what are their needs. What can I bring to them from this lesson? What can they learn from this lesson? So I walked into the classroom and it was just an automatic like, "Yep, this is home." Yeah. This yeah, it felt right. This is what I wanted to do. And it circled back to when I was in grade 10 mm -hmm. when I shadowed that teacher. Yeah. And I'm like, "This is what I wanted to do. This is what my, you know, this is what my soul needed." Yeah. You really had to figure out quick what you wanted to be in the future over there. And it's kind of crazy because I was like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? In 10th grade, I barely had a clue what I wanted to be. It was like, that's, that's really good because it set you up. And I was always so jealous of my friends who always knew what they wanted to be when they grew up because they were, had such a clear path. And that was one of my issues. It was just kind of, was just kind of like, I'll try things out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also okay. I think we um, we kind of set limits to children mm -hmm. when, as they're getting older, like, oh, these are the options that you have. Yeah. I didn't know you could, you know, own, like, uh, you can start a foundation yeah. or a podcast. Yeah. These are all things that I love doing now that I didn't know existed right. when I was younger. Right. It was doctor, teacher, lawyer. Oh my god! Dentist. Yes. And I'm like, oh, which one do I fall under? Which <laughs> exactly. I fall under? I'm like, well, I don't want to ever do math again, so yeah. I'm not going to become a doctor. <laughs> I'm not going to become a dentist. Um, so I think we need to be open to the idea that I could be. All of these things. Yeah. I don't necessarily only need to be a teacher. Right. I don't necessarily only need to be um, in marketing. Right. I can also personal train on the side. Right. I could also start, you know, a company that is not in line with anything that I'm yeah. doing right now. Yeah. I think the idea of side hustle has become such a thing and I love it. I love that we're not boxed into what our nine to five is or what our career is. Yeah. How do you come up with lesson plans for students with certain needs? What do you feel has to be at the forefront of these lessons as opposed to plans for other students? So when it comes to um, adult education, it's different because we don't necessarily need a specific evaluation. Like no one needs to be writing a written essay mm -hmm. to pass the next level. Yeah. Um, it's continuing education, so we want to provide students with an education system that can help them thrive throughout life. So we have a work placement that's mm -hmm. also an effect. Right now, I'm not teaching. Uh -huh. um, I have my my um, nonprofit, No yes. Better You, that I'm working on. Yes. So that's my way of staying con uh, connected with my community of students. But yeah, so it's really what do the students need to thrive in life? Do they really need to learn how to? I don't know. Do they need algebra? No, I'm not going to teach them algebra. So what are things that they need to help them um, understand a certain lesson? When you're teaching special education, it's not a classroom of students with autism. It can be a classroom with one student with autism. Mm -hmm. I had a student that was nonverbal, a student with global delay. Mm -hmm. So they all had their own needs, mm -hmm. but also their own amazing personality mm -hmm. that just made the lessons that much more entertaining. Because um, they would give me their full-on input, like, oh, this is boring, miss. And oh I'm like, oh, let's switch it up. Let's do some karaoke for five minutes. So it, it's integrating things that would make them feel so amazing. And those little milestones are also very important. I remember mm -hmm. I was doing a lesson plan where as simple as, for us, it would be simple. Mm -hmm. But for them, it was like, I'm going to get this today. Yeah. Right? If I would write the date on, I wanted to teach them how to be more independent. Mm -hmm. So I was, write, I was writing the, the date on the chalkboard, and I would have the students write the date on their, um, in their copybook as well. And I had a small group of students. It was 10 students. I would go around, and I would check to see if they did a good job. Yeah. Everyone would get a check mark. Get <laughs> I had one student who was nonverbal um, and needed that extra assistance. And one day, she actually wrote the, um, uh, the date uh, in her notebook. Oh and we gosh. all celebrated. All three classrooms came in. We all celebrated together because that was such a milestone. And I yeah. think it's it's so it's proof. Like if you do the work and the 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 repetition is there, mm -hmm. 
it will eventually get there. Yeah. And that's not only for people in special needs. That's for anyone that's in for life. Anybody. Right? If you're, yeah. you're going to go to the gym once and you really want to lose weight, or if you want to gain weight, if you want to gain muscle mass, you go to the gym once. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You're not going to gain that muscle yeah. mass. You know, you're going to have to put in the work yeah. and that repetition needs to be there. Yeah. And I think there's also this idea where... Uh, they're not capable of doing certain things. Mm -hmm. You would be so surprised at the amount of independence that yeah. they have, the amount of willpower that they have yeah. over me, over a lot of people in yeah. the school. And so give them that opportunity to show up. Give them that opportunity to prove to themselves and to prove to other people that they are capable beings. They are able yeah. to succeed. They are able to have a job. They are able... Um, you know, to have a, a conversation and yeah. don't treat them like babies. Don't treat them like they're not they're not able um, to do the things that yeah. we do. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great message. Is that kind of the mission behind No Better You? What is the mission behind No Better You? So No Better You started right after I got off filming The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. So when you film The Bachelors from September to November. December-ish, I think, or it was snowing in Finland, though, so I think it was the beginning of December, I don't remember, three years ago, and then from, let's say it was December, December until March is when you're keeping your relationship a secret, mm -hmm. because that's when it starts to air, that's yeah. when the episode, yeah. and AFR is in March, yeah. um, so I got off the show in December, got back, my students knew about the show because they were on my hometown dates. That's so cute. One hometown date. Yeah, they were on my hometown date. And in their head, <laughs> Nick came to the school and we did a photo collage of some of the dates that we had. We had our first group date, which was a photo shoot, a wedding photo shoot. Uh -huh. And I was dressed in the 90s. <laughs> so the producers printed those pictures and we cut them up with the students and we glued them in a photo album. It was really adorable. Nick was so great with the students and interacting Aww. with them. It was so nice to see. Yeah. So when I got back in December in their head, they're like, oh, Vanessa was in a wedding dress in a picture. She's married. Yeah. We saw that the man. Yeah. And then like, the it show only starts. Makes sense. It only makes sense. <laughs> and, he, and then the show starts up in January, and they're like, well, why is he kissing other women? <laughs> we thought that you were married to him. And I'm like, I know. I don't, I don't get it. I had to explain <laughs> to them the concept of the show and I had to explain to them the concept of now Instagram, because my students do have Instagram, yeah, and they would read some of the comments, mm -hmm. and um, oh, they would come back to me again. They would come back to me and say, "Oh, I read this comment about you, that comment." So I'm like, you know, um, it's hurtful when there could be. Listen, I'm very lucky. There's a lot of love around, mm -hmm. um, but there can be in life. There's always that one comment. Oh, my dog that? is freaking yes. out. Yakuza. What's not, babe? <laughs> <laughs> Big dog or small dog? A small dog. He's barking from under the couch, too. So I'm not quite sure exactly what he's barking at. <laughs> he wants his attention. Oh, yeah, my God. I saw a picture of your dog. They're both long-haired chihuahuas. Yeah. Puppy! Yeah. Oh, okay, after we're done, I want to see him. Okay, for sure. For sure. I got you. How big is he? He's uh, five pounds. He's tiny. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Tyson is three pounds, and we don't think he's going to get that much bigger. Did so he, cute. did your puppy, when he was a puppy, did he lose all of his hair and then regain it yes. back? Yes, yes, at one okay. point. Okay, we're he, waiting for that to happen. He went through like a, he looks like a rat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, five or six months old now, and we're like, okay, are you yeah. going to lose your hair? It was the, towards the one-year mark, he was starting to like shed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. They have the same coloring, by the way. They are adorable. <laughs> my pick, I was sending my boyfriend when he was looking for puppies, uh, pictures of really cute puppies that uh -huh. would get really big when they're older. Yeah. He wasn't getting the hint at all. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the dog that, because it's his puppy. He wanted to get another dog because he has two chihuahuas, one uh -huh. short-haired and one long-haired chihuahua. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, well, this is going to be our puppy. So, yeah. like, I'm a golden doodle. <laughs> No, he's still got him, his chihuahua. Hold on. Is the short-haired chihuahua, like, more hyper than the long-haired one? That's... The short-haired chihuahua is 10 years old. Oh, okay, okay, he's okay. really chill. Okay, got chill it. Chill around his friends and family, but when there's another dog or a, a male stranger, mm -hmm. he will lose a shit. 
Oh my god, possessive. <laughs> okay, so um, you were talking about the No Better You Foundation, how you and Nick went back to your hometown, and then you had to explain the show so, on Instagram. We were talking about comments on Instagram mm-hmm. and how hurtful one comment could be. Yeah. And listen, I'm throughout the, the process, I've gained really thick skin, but yeah. at the beginning, I was really I sensitive, know. and I didn't understand like the magnitude of the show. I'm yeah. like, oh. My, I remember my friend saying, like, you're going to see how many followers we're going to get. While the show was airing, I had, like, 200 followers, mm-hmm. and she loved the show. I had no idea what the show was about. And she's like, yeah, people gain so many followers from this show. And yeah. I just didn't understand the concept of Instagram before yeah. going on. And I'm like, for what? Like, why would they follow me, you know? Right. And so I gained all these followers, and I was like, I don't want them. I didn't ask for this. Like, yeah. Now you're following me, so yeah. you're following me, so be nice, you know? Yeah. And you can't control what comments people mm-hmm. are going to say. Um, and um, so I was talking to my students about no matter what people say about you, you cannot compare compare yourself to other people. You can, but you shouldn't be comparing yourself to other people because there's no better you. There's no... There's no one that's going to have the exact ingredients of who you are. Mm-hmm. Your level of smartness, your level of uh, willpower, your level of funniness, your yeah. level of all these things. Yeah. So why change certain or tweak certain parts of yourself because that person said you're not that pretty or that person said someone wrote to me yesterday that my eyes look evil. So I'm like, well, I'm going to change my eyes now. <laughs> so you can't change certain parts of yourself to yeah. appease other people because there's always going to be someone you're going to piss off. Right. So I'm like, wow, that'd be such a great idea to have a foundation called No Better You. Mm-hmm. And to use this idea behind the foundation to empower the students in the special needs community. And that's basically how it started. I was also sponsoring a little girl from Cambodia for six or seven years okay. um, while I was in university. And then when I went back to university in Ottawa to get my university, my education degree, I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And it was $40 a month at that time when you're not making any money and you're paying yeah, for school and your, your rent and all that. Um, I remember being with World, World Vision for like an hour on the phone. I'm like, is she going to be okay? Are you going to find someone else? And yeah. they did. And I said, well, when I end this, I want to go back and do something even greater. Yeah. So that was my mission. I always wanted to have something that was greater, that would help a greater community of students or people. Yeah. Um, what was that journey like for you to start a nonprofit? Because my biggest dream is to start a charity for animals. Hard. Yeah, I believe it. What is your biggest... Like, how do you even choose, like, board of directors and all this stuff? Like, girl. Girl, It is so complicated. I know. I'm like... Well, in in Canada, it's different. Um, I had... When I came back to Montreal, I ended up um, working with um, Lori Krebs, who is now my publicist, Uh who heard about my foundation or the idea of the foundation, the idea of it, because I hadn't started it. She heard about the idea, and she's like, let's go full force. Like, you just got off the show. It's fresh. You should start up your foundation, and you should do a charity event so that you can, you know, do a meet and greet with Nick. Mm -hmm. And we had all these cool ideas, and we did those things. So It was so successful, huh? It was so stressful. You know why? Because people buy tickets last minute. And the amount of time. The amount of times I called Lori and I said, I'm canceling it. I'm canceling it. No one's going to show up. Because at the end of the day, it's like I just couldn't grasp the idea that people cared about me or Nick because mm-hmm. of a TV show. Yeah. I'm like, well, no one's going to come. <laughs> like, they saw us on TV. That's good enough. And we we, uh, we had to close the doors and security had to be at the doors because there were so many people showing up even last minute. Um, With and no so, tickets? Or were they just trying to just come kind- in? They were trying to buy tickets last minute, which was so, I mean, I was so happy. I was on such a high. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, it is, do, I, I would say if you want to start a charity, a nonprofit, talk to someone who does have a nonprofit or a charity. Uh, a charity and nonprofit are different because charity, yeah. you can, a charitable status, you can issue tax receipts. Mm-hmm. A nonprofit, you cannot unless you partner with, like, let's say I partner with school boards, and the school boards right. can issue tax receipts to people who donate large sums of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and do the work. Maybe sit on a board and understand what it entails. Yeah. I should have done that because I went in just, I fresh. went in fresh, yeah. wanting to 
I don't care what needs to be done. Just I want to get the money and I want to do good. And it's like, wow, there is so much more politics that's yeah. involved too. How did you choose your board of directors? What was, did you have like certain criteria that anybody needed to meet or? I wanted there to be people that I know I can trust because this mm-hmm. is my baby. I don't have any kids. I'm like, I gave birth to this, to this, cha- yeah, to this nonprofit. For sure. And so I wanted people who were professionals in their field. I have a psychologist, Crystal Holly, who mm-hmm. was a long, dear friend of mine from a previous relationship, um, and we remained friends mm-hmm. um, through that relationship. Yeah. I didn't date her. I dated her friend. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know. <laughs> not that slightly Just wrong. To, I would date her, but she's married clarify. with clarify. <laughs> um, and then I also have um, an accountant. I wanted people who had different knowledge and different backgrounds. Yeah. And I also have someone else that is a teacher in the youth sector because I'm someone that's a specialist adult. in the adult sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good to have an uneven number. So if you're ever having, if you're ever having to make a decision. Oh yeah, I guess and vote. You know, maybe the deciding never, factor. Yeah. These are all things I didn't think of, but I also had someone that ca- that came in and volunteered to help uh, with the process of things mm-hmm. and he was amazing and I'm so grateful for him. Yeah. I think you need somebody with experience to really show you the ropes. There's so many things you would not think of. Mm-hmm. Creating your own organization. Yeah. What was the best advice that somebody's ever given you in running No Better You? You know, I will say the worst advice. The worst advice. Okay. The worst advice. Because in life, and I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but in life, people will expect you to fail. Yeah. And people kind of want you to fail. Yeah. Not that they want you to fail, but... It makes them feel a little bit better about themselves to see you fail, I think. Exactly. And I remember someone had said, because at one point, um, the nonprofit doesn't pay. I do it because I love doing it. Yeah. But I gotta pay rent mm-hmm. and I gotta you know buy food yeah so there's there's other jobs that sometimes will take priority mm-hmm. because I need to get paid right um, and someone had told me well maybe you should just dissolve the board dissolve the, um, the foundation and I what? said oh my god that do you not believe in the idea behind it do you not see how many people we've we've helped and right. uh, empowered and make them feel so good about themselves, whether or not, you know, you're, I'm not a nonprofit that's making, that's, um, that's, uh, raising thousands of dollars. And mm-hmm. for me, that's okay yeah. because I'm raising thousands and millions of dollars in people's hearts. Yeah. And that's my goal. My right. goal is to make people in the community feel so good and have their story told right and they can talk about how they were at a photo shoot and they can talk about how they were a part of an event yeah and make them feel really good about themselves right um and I think some people have different goals you know if yeah. you're not making this amount if you're not raising this amount of money and if you're not doing this you're not yeah. I'm like oh like that's not my goal that's right. not my goal of my right. of my charity so I think you and that's like the worst and best advice. Like the worst advice made me think the best advice is to know what I want to make sure mm-hmm. I want to accomplish in my charity. Yeah. Uh, so the best advice someone gave me was just do it. Stop yeah. overthinking. Yeah. Just do it. And that was from my publicist, story. Um, because there are many times I'm like, well, I-, I need to do this and I need to make sure that's aligned with that and that and that. Yeah, like, just, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Do it. The minute you overthink about something, you're, you're, you're going to second guess your decision mm-hmm. and you're not going to go through with your original plan. So yeah. just do it. Yeah. I think that advice, I say this a lot to a lot of um, my friends that are trying to come out with, you know, maybe new and different ideas for themselves and their, their hustle. And I'm like, you need to, you need to do it and not overthink it and just get it out there and then tweak it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because People are always on your tail, I think. There's so much competition. There's so many ideas floating around that if you don't do it, somebody else will. And Mm -hmm. nothing you launch at the very first try will ever be perfect. So if you keep overthinking things, 
you're going to delay that process for yourself because eventually everything has to be tweaked. Yep. You know what I mean? And I love, I love that you just did it and she was there to tell you to like not overthink it. Yeah. And she's like, just go, just go. <laughs> and you know, I have to say the, the worst advice was also from a very good intention. Uh-huh. Um, so I knew that that person was coming from a place where uh, they were thinking about me and mm-hmm. thinking about everything else that was going on at that point in my yeah. life. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that was the worst advice. Uh-huh. Um, but at that time, that's not what I wanted to hear. And I'm like, yeah. no, I want to make sure I still go full force with this. And that yeah. person really did help me a lot with the organization. So they knew a lot of the ins and outs of it. And they yeah. just wanted to make sure that I was able to succeed as a nonprofit and succeed as an individual as well. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, I'm going to backtrack to when you asked me about my board of directors, mm-hmm. make sure you have someone that is great at soliciting people. I was volunteering for Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. And I just literally, I'm like, just give me the job where I want to take bricks and I want to build a house. But they gave me the job of, this is a six-page list of people that you should call and solicit for money. And I'm uh-huh. like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, cold calling? They had you cold calling people, Vanessa? Oh, my God. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And I remember when I first started my... <laughs> my nonprofit. People are like, oh, Vanessa, here's 500 bucks. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. And I'm like, why am I saying no, no, it's yeah. fine. Like, you're like, no, give me a thousand. that. <laughs> and I'm not good at taking money. I'm not good at asking for it. And especially if you're running a nonprofit. Exactly like you. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. So if, you're, if you have a nonprofit, um, I had someone um, who would be really, that was really amazing at soliciting people yeah um, so have a team of people that are gonna hustle for stuff like that like yeah. I can hustle everything else like if I'm gonna get a venue and they're like it's five thousand dollars I'm gonna hustle it down to make it like I'm gonna give you five hundred dollars yeah I'm good at bargaining yeah. but I can't bargain to say give me more money yeah I can't ask people for money especially I can't cold call anybody either oh my god yeah and I want to give a shout out to Frank um and he was the guy that stepped in and volunteered his time mm-hmm. to help me really um, understand like the ins and outs of the foundation. Yeah. And he took charge with a lot of things that he's like, you know, you're the face of the foundation. You shouldn't be the one going into meetings and like hustling for certain things mm-hmm. and saying no. He's like, let me look bad for you. I'll be the one that will be like, wow. no, this. Yeah. And shout out to Frank. Shout out to Frank. For real. That's kind of, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Because you, yeah. yeah, the face should stay a little bit more hard to reach. I don't know how to do that. I mean, look, you emailed me. I'm like, I, I'm the one that I goes through it. my I'm the one that goes through all my DMs. And so <laughs> it's hard when you're running a charity and you have a board, but you're not delegating. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation and I sent a message out to um, the, uh, the members of my board. And I'm like, guys, I'm sorry if you feel like you're being left out of things or whatever the case is because sometimes I have an idea mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I'm gonna run with this like we had um, um, a photo shoot for mental health awareness yeah and that was like an idea that I literally I was having lunch downstairs in my building and I'm like oh this would be fun let me call my foot <laughs> let me call my foot. let me let me book this space and then everything was done and everyone was like oh well the decision was made <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, do you guys agree with this decision? And so that's my fault. So I think as the president, you should also be 100% comfortable with delegating. Yeah. And because I know this is a non-paying position for people, mm-hmm. I feel so terrible because they're mothers. You know, one is expecting yeah. now. Um, and they have their own full-time jobs yeah. and they have their families. Yeah. And so ha- not being afraid to delegate and have other people take charge in the field that they have been chosen for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay I would, to oh, my God. I feel you on that, though. I would feel so bad, too. I'd be like, no, it's okay. I can just take care of it. <laughs> like, yeah. you have other things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is, that was, that's my biggest takeaway <laughs> message for anyone who wants to start really a, 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 a career in something. And if you're the, the boss, if you're the, um, the founder, mm-hmm. delegate. Yeah. Delegate the tasks. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. What are, um, 
the sensory rooms. I saw on your the No Better You website, and I was trying to get more information on it, but I want you to tell our listeners about it. So okay, my website has not been updated <laughs> in such a long time. My Instagram for No Better You has been updated. Okay. I even put out. I'm like slapping myself as I'm saying this. I even put out, hey, an internship interns, internship position open mm-hmm. for No Better You. My emails were flooded oh with God, amazing resumes. But because I just couldn't go through all the resumes, I still haven't chosen someone to fill the <laughs> internship position. Um, so the website, I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna have to hire someone to help me with that. Um, so the web designers sensory, listening apply. Yeah, exactly for free. <laughs> Um, I wanted to, when I was teaching, mm-hmm. like I said, I was teaching students that had so many different abilities. Yes. Um, and I had to cater to their abilities and help them thrive and succeed in the mm-hmm. classroom and outside the classroom. And so if it was an art project, they needed a specific pair of scissors. Well, we don't have a budget for that. I'm like, okay, well, I'll buy it. Yeah. And so teachers could whoever's listening to this and that's a teacher or a parent can understand there's mm-hmm. so much more involved than just whatever tools there are there are in the yeah. classroom so how can I help the students thrive and I didn't want to just help a student uh, I didn't want to just help a classroom of 25 students I want to help the entire school mm-hmm. so I'm like well what's one thing that the entire school needs and I spoke to a lot of co-workers of mine uh, that I was working with back at Galileo shout out to Anna and to Lou and to Lisa um, and to Marissa, so uh, and to Christina, and I love them so much. I still call them my coworkers, and my boyfriend oh. is like, "You know, you haven't worked there in like two years." I'm like, "Still, they're still, still my coworkers." Forever, my coworkers. Coworkers. <laughs> and so we were talking about this idea of opening up a sensory room and we a snooze learn room. So we did the research, and we're like, "Wow, it's like hundred thousand dollars for a room, it but it's pricey. basically pick." It looks very expensive because yeah. it is. <laughs> it's a room that you darken. So the windows have to be covered. Um, it, it looks like um, the best way I can explain it is if you go inside, there's like a room in Montreal where there was a spa. You go inside this room and you're like kind of like in this egg mm-hmm. and you feel so protected and you feel so relaxed and you feel calm mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the idea that I wanted to help recreate in the cl- in uh, the sensory room. So it's a therapeutic space where students feel calm and they feel safe. You can bring in lesson plans uh, where they can uh, they can do the lesson plan for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's also specialized equipment in there that can help the students learn. Um, or if they need extra stimulation, like there's, I guess let's call it a bed, but it's not a bed. It's like a mattress. Okay. Like a gymnast tumble and they fall into a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a very thick mat. A mat that vibrates to to the sounds of music. And you can lay in there. And I've done this. It is the most relaxing thing ever. Really? Yeah, I didn't do it in the sensory room, but I was talking about earlier about the spa in Montreal where mm-hmm. you can sit down in this egg and it literally vibrates to the sound of music. Oh my God. You fall asleep, it's relaxing. And then there's water tubes where students can go uh, and interact with the water tube and there's like different types of equipment, there's swings. So very therapeutic yeah. and students also have anxiety. I have anxiety, mm-hmm. I do too. it helps calm me down. So you don't necessarily Ow. need to be in special education um, but they greatly benefit from it. Yeah. And if you go to the No Better You Instagram page, there's a video with students and their testimonials on how it's helped them. Oh, my God. You know that the egg thing that vibrates? It reminds me of those little chairs that you put a baby on. She, yes. like, rocks them to sleep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it circles back to, like, when you were born. Like, that's... Yeah. It's, the, it's so incredible. Oh, my God. Somebody should make, like, a bed with that concept. I'm sure they have. We're going to have to, maybe on, I know, <laughs> like the new bed. You guys also have a thing called the bachelor dress auction. So we had that last year when I was in LA. Uh-huh. I was moving back to Montreal and I had all these dresses. Yeah. And um, I'm going to need a, an entire luggage to fit all these dresses <laughs> inside my, you know, to bring back home to Montreal. Yeah. 
And I necessarily, I don't need them because I've worn them already. I'm not right. going to wear them again. Right. There's some dresses, obviously, night one dress, the dress I got engaged in. Yeah, some like specific gowns. No, yeah. not my gowns. So I thought it'd be such a great idea if I would wear the dress and auction the dresses off to people that um, would like to buy it. Mm-hmm. And that money goes directly to No Better You. So I'm great at thinking of these small projects Mm -hmm. but the big fundraisers I'm like oh I'm like I'm like it takes a lot of work to do that and it takes a lot of um a a lot of planning and I like thinking of these small projects like the t-shirt we did a t-shirt campaign as well for Mm -hmm. no better you that went great we actually had a student design one of the t-shirts and that all the teachers always ended up selling out. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to the uh, bachelor dress auction. I was in LA, and the photographer. The world is crazy. Six mm-hmm. degrees of separation. It's true. Yeah, it's real. When Nick and I got engaged, you take well. When any bachelor couple gets engaged, you get to do a photo shoot, mm-hmm. and that goes on People magazine. Okay. I remember walking in uh, to the set. And I recognized the photographer, and I'm like, well, this guy looks familiar. And then all of a sudden, this woman runs out of these bushes, and she's like, oh, my God, I knew it was going to be you. I knew you were going to get engaged. I had oh, dated this guy, and his, one of his really good friends that I became friends with, mm-hmm. she, she is now married to this photographer. Okay. So the photographer I knew, and I felt so, like, I'm so awkward whenever I have to take pictures, but yeah. I ended up knowing the photographer on set for the People magazine shoot, mm-hmm. and it was just like so great to reconnect. And so I asked him if he was comfortable doing the bachelor dress auction and, oh, put, and photographing me. So he's the one that t- t- took the pictures for me. Um, so he's an amazing photographer. And yeah, we uh, we auctioned the dresses off. Um, people privately bid, and mm-hmm. then they um, they sent in the money. And I personally wrote everyone a card, and I ended up Skyping with the people who got the dresses. Oh, so it was amazing. a very personalized, um, bachelor-related thing yeah. that benefited the foundation. Yeah, that's a whole experience. So obviously, we can't not mention your time on The Bachelor. What was your most memorable moment on the show? I mean, aside from you know winning the whole thing and getting engaged. Do you have like um, a... Like a crazy like in-house story or anything. I, there's so many. There's so many parts to it that I'm so grateful for. Um, one being my really close relationship with Taylor Nolan from mm-hmm. Nick's season. Mm-hmm. She's my insides. Like I don't think I'd be able to survive without her. We ended up being in the same limo. Uh-huh. We shared the same bunk bed, um, and we not that we have similar careers, but mm-hmm. she's a mentor counselor and we just like helping people and so is Danielle Melpy and that's how we got we all got really close Danielle was in the same room as us in the mansion yeah um I think for me my biggest takeaway is having done therapy for the first time while being on the show while being on the show yeah so there is uh and I'm so grateful for the franchise because I am now actively doing therapy yeah I talk about therapy all the time yeah and I want to end the stigma because I think people think you need to be at your the end of the rope to do therapy yeah. no you just want to check in with someone to right. be like I just want to talk with someone right. who's not biased you know right. not biased so they the, the franchise hires a therapist for um who so bef- so before being on the show mm-hmm. you have to go through an entire process interview with the producers and then you go through like psych and Psych is basically the psychologist that evaluates to see if you're uh, fit to be yeah. on a show like The Bachelor, which, I mean, it's grueling. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of... Um, it it's takes a, a mental lot of, toll. It is. Yeah. It really does take a mental toll. And so that psychologist is also available during the filming of the show. Mm. And at that time, my grandfather had just passed away. You're stripped mm-hmm. away from your support system. No cell phone, no TV, no internet, yeah. nothing. No magazines. Um, and so that was my way to, um, I would go see her to help process the death of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And then it became talking about the show and talking about things that happened in my life as a child. Yeah. And and then I also did therapy with her after the show. Nick uh-huh. and I did a couple's therapy with her after the show. Yeah. So 
that is such a blessing in my life right now. Um, And it was a blessing in my life back then as well. Um, But the whole experience, I remember, I think my favorite one is when Nick and I went on zero gravity and that airplane. Yeah, because that's something that I'm like a weird, spontaneous person that will think of something random to do in the day and then call five people to see like, who wants to do this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's something that I always wanted to do. And I knew uh, when I had when I had been asked to go on the date, they told me like we've been trying for years to try to do this zero gravity experience. Like you're super lucky to get to do this. Like I hope you enjoy it. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I get so nauseous with this stuff. And I, at that point, I thought the airplane wasn't even taking off. Uh-huh. I thought the airplane. He's like, well, how did you think we were gonna do like the up and down thing? I'm like, I have no idea. Um, but that was that was the beginning of when I really started falling for Nick. Mm-hmm. The way he took care of me, yeah. he was so attentive. Yeah. Um, like waited for he like waited for me to get dressed after we were done to see how I was doing. Yeah. And he was just so he was there. He really yeah. showed up for me when I was puking yeah. on that vision. <laughs> um, so that's that was like one of my biggest highlights from the show. <laughs> oh my god, I would get so sick. Yeah. Because it's just, oh. it just makes your stomach just turn, like, flips. Yeah, and I think yeah. he, we did it 15 times. And I remember asking, like, how many times left? How many, like, how much left? <laughs> and I remember there was this one cameraman. He's, like, this big guy with tattoos and, like, looks like he works out. And yeah. he's, like, tall. And he was getting nauseous, too. And I remember thinking, like, okay, I don't feel that bad because he's puking, I'm puking. It's just a puke fest here. <laughs> very, very fitting for national TV. Listen, it ended up being a really romantic date. So I think it was just a matter of the fact that he, like, was there. It was so romantic. And then our uh, night date is when he uh, cried and Mm -hmm. said, you know, I think we were just so both exhausted from the day. Yeah. Um, And he was telling me how he was, he opened up about being scared that he wasn't going to connect with anyone because you know, at that time, I didn't put myself in his shoes. Mm-hmm. I put myself in my shoes because right. I'm like, well, I'm dating you. The and like, there's still the other women here. Yeah. And um, I wasn't empathetic to what he was going through. Yeah. And I never really thought like, hmm, what if like the lead doesn't connect with anyone? I thought, of course, he's going to connect with someone. Right. There's so he many so scared that mm-hmm. He was scared that that might not happen. Yeah. And then when we did connect, it was kind of like, okay, the process is, like, starting. I'm able to connect with, like, people, and it feels right. good. So right. I was happy for him. What do you think was the most difficult thing for you guys? Because you guys did have to keep it a secret mm-hmm. afterwards for three months, and then the process of taking it into the real world. What do you think was the most difficult part about that? Um, for me personally, the most difficult part was processing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Nick- had gone through it already a couple of times before so he understood what the process was like he knew what was coming and he kind of uh kept me um you know he's like well next for sure there's going to be an article that's going to come out that this happened an article and it's it was true like it's always the same thing that happens after every season yeah and so for me it was just like understanding the world that I'm living in now Mm -hmm. and like there's like people watching me there's people talking about me and I wasn't used to that so that was something that I was personally struggling with yeah um and it was easy for us to keep it a secret because the people that I did tell were my family yeah and so they were my two and my two best friends that I knew they weren't gonna go out and tell anyone yeah um which I probably will get in trouble now that I had said that I did that (laughs) but listen I didn't tell the world. Yeah. Um, and we would see each other every, on and off, like, I would say every second weekend. Mm-hmm. I would either go to L.A. He came out to Toronto once mm-hmm. to visit. When uh, the show finally ended and we decided to stay in L.A. because he was doing Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Well, that was, like, another show that we were a part of. Mm-hmm. But I was so excited for that because I used to dance. I was a gymnast. I did ballet. Yeah. So for me, that was like, oh, I love the art of dancing. Yeah. I was so mesmerized every time I would see the dancers. 
it was an eye-opening experience for me personally. Uh-huh. And also, you know, when you're dating someone in the public eye, that was something new that I was trying to learn how to do. Yeah. But that was also difficult. Yeah, but you were also in the public eye, so it's twice as twice as attention. You know what I mean? All yeah. on you guys. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about your podcast, to Help I Suck at Dating. How did you team up with the Bachelor alums, Jared and Dean, for this project? So random. People are like, what? How are you guys friends? Um, and I'm so grateful for them because they're amazing. So Dean had Help I Suck a Dating podcast, and then Jared joined the team. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted a female voice, and they I went in studio, and I got interviewed, and then I got asked, like, hey, do you want to join the team? And I'm like, I love talking about relationships. I love love. Like, I will give, like, the... You know, advice all the time, and Dean is like, no, no, no. And Jared is always like the cool guy that would give the best advice, um, and is like loves to give compliments, and he's just the nicest guy ever. Um, And so that's basically how it happened, Mm -hmm. like totally random. And at first, I wanted to make sure like it wasn't going to be weird because they are friends with Nick. Yeah. Um, And it was a year, I think, close to a year that Nick and I had broken up. Um, and the guy spoke to him and apparently it was fine. So yeah, so that's, basically, that's basically how it happened. Do you have a favorite episode so far? So there's two of my favorite episodes okay. and it's at two different points in my life. And I want to pull it up because I want to, if anyone wants to listen to them, if yes. you are single, I would suggest listening to the episode where I was alone in studio. Dean and Jared were out. Uh-huh. It's number 53, Girl Talk. Okay. So, Brandy Cyrus was on. Uh, she's a dear friend of mine. And Elle from the Mend app, mm-hmm. she's been on the show a few times. And it was at a point in my life where I was single. I had, this was when in October. I was, quote, unquote, dating this guy. Uh-huh. It was long distance. And I was excited about the process. And then one day, he's like, oh, I don't think it's going to work out. And I was like, uh- what? How is this? Where is this coming from? Right. And so at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this to talk about my feelings on the podcast. (laughs) And so I spoke about, like, being single. Brandy was uh, single at the time as well. Mm -hmm. And she had just moved to Denver, which she calls a menver because there's a bunch of, like, single cute men in Denver. (laughs) Is there? I got to (laughs) move. Apparently there are. And uh, Elle has the Mend app which is a breakup app where, you know, you want to mend your, your broken heart. Yeah. So it was a great episode. It's a girl episode. We talk about we're really vulnerable. I cry a yeah. few times. Um, I talk about how I wanted to freeze my eggs at one point because I, I was 31 at the time. Mm-hmm. And well, I still am, but I'm turning 32 in like two months. Um, <laughs> and I was single. So that's one of my favorite episodes. If you're single and you want to have like yeah. a girl episode yeah. and girl perspective, yeah. then I would listen to number 53. Yeah. And my second favorite is Silver Fox or Gray Fox. Mm-hmm. I love when Jared, Dean, and I sit down and just shoot the shit. Yeah. You know, like talk about like whatever's going on. Yeah. And at that, in that episode, my boyfriend, Josh, mm-hmm. comes on and that's the first time he's ever done oh a podcast. Oh my God. First time the guys meet him, we were in Lake Tahoe, all in studio together. Well, we were in a kitchen on the in a How kitchen, on the kitchen table. So that's one of my uh, my second favorite episode. And Jared and Dean approve of Josh, huh? Yeah, Aww. they were so, so nervous. I know how Dean can get; he can really very ask the, t- the hard questions. Yeah, yeah, very blunt. So I'm like, what's he gonna ask him? What's he gonna try to get out of him? But it was such an amazing episode, and we spent the weekend together, and it was nice to see them bond. That's amazing. I feel like for them, it probably was more like a brotherly mm-hmm. thing. They're probably just like, yo, like, don't hurt her. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is our current generation's biggest dating mistake? Like, what is your biggest dating advice for women? Um, well, for women and for men. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a mistake. I think we're just entering a new age of being open to the idea of you don't have to be in a relationship because yeah. I think some of us are stuck on, at least for me, I was stuck on like, I want to be in a relationship. I don't know how to casually date. And I think there's a lot of casual dating going on. Yeah. Which makes me so uncomfortable and I it made that. me so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Made me very uncomfortable yeah. because I don't know how to casually date. So I don't think it's a terrible thing I think if you're someone that is looking to be in a committed relationship it's very difficult to navigate the dating world yeah 
It is. It is. I always thrive in a relationship, in a serious, committed relationship. I feel like that's where me as an individual is like at my peak anyway. So it's like when it's the scene, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, okay. And then all these games you have to play, like, yeah, over it. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, see, I'm the I'm the opposite. I thrive as a single woman. Mm-hmm. Like I'm single. I could get to do my own. Like not that I can't do things when I'm in a relationship, but because yeah. I have all this extra time to myself, I like my career's at its peak, and yeah. um, there's just like a lot that's happening in my personal life when I'm single. And then when yeah. I'm in a relationship, I have to learn how to delegate. Yeah. I have to learn how to like. Okay, what's my time? What's my boyfriend's time? Like, yeah. are we spending too much time together? Um, um, yeah, I think relationships are—they take so much work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, when we grew up, it's these Disney shows that we watched, and we yeah. think like, "Oh, love's Easy. first kiss will will fix everything." Yeah, la di da. You know. But no, it takes a lot of commitment, a lot of work, and a lot of self-reflection too. Because yeah. what you bring into the relationship, your past traumas, and um, whatever your perspective is on life, mm-hmm. can change the relationship for the good or for the worse. Yeah. So having that open communication to understand what is it that I want mm-hmm. and what is it that I need, and to clarify those things to your partner, can definitely make the relationship flourish. Yeah. Communication is key. Mm-hmm. For the ladies, I need to get some beauty and wellness tips from you. So what is your skincare routine? What are some of your top skincare tips? I wish my boyfriend was here to tell you what he thinks. <laughs> because he's like, day to day in Vanessa's life, don't wash your face. Or no. actually, no. No, no, I do wash my face. He's like, don't brush your teeth. Or like, he'll make fun of me. Like, don't shower for four days. So... Are you very low maintenance? I'm super low maintenance. Oh my god. Super really? low maintenance. But you guys, I, you guys can't see her. We're on Skype. She is like glowing. Like do oh you not god. wait, do you not have makeup on? I have lipstick and I have like a little bit of mascara on my upper lids. Okay, but she like her skin is crazy. But I thought so, you had foundation on. No. Um okay. I have really, 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 really sensitive skin, so mm-hmm. I can't wear foundation. Oh my the god. minute like my pores get blocked, I'll get like pimples on my face and breakouts yeah whenever it's the time of the month um so I got off the pill when I was 30 I was on birth control because I had these crazy cramps Mm -hmm. that have now been a lot better Mm because I was on the pill for um a long period of time got off the pill when I was 30 because I'm like I don't want like any weird stuff in my body I want to prepare for motherhood whenever that happens hopefully sometime soon soon um and then all of a sudden, I started getting breakouts on my face. And I remember someone telling me, like, oh, getting off the pill was the worst decision I ever made because I, I was getting uh, a bunch of acne all over my face. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, right. I never really had to deal with that because I was on the pill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started getting um, some, I mean, you can't tell, but um, on my bottom, like, near my jawline, I guess it's hormonal, and on, yeah. on my every now and then whenever I get my period, I'll get these pimples that you can't really pop. Yeah. It's like massive. It's like, under the skin. Yeah. Yeah. And it hurts and I can't do anything about it. And then by the end of my period, it just like goes away. And then it's starting to now kind of scar or stain my face. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to see what kind of facials I can do for that. And your body changes every, like your body goes through so many different changes, yeah. right? And I'm trying to learn to accept like certain things. That I'm like, oh, I didn't have this last year. I yeah. didn't have this yesterday or whatever the, the case is. But my biggest beauty advice is to, and I was kidding when I don't wash my face, I double wash my face at night. Oh, yeah. Get all that crap so out of there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do that too. Double wash my face at mm-hmm. night. And try, if you're someone that is used to wearing a lot of makeup, mm-hmm. I would say, what do you feel most comfortable eliminating in your makeup routine? And then start eliminating yeah. a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until you feel better about yourself yeah. and showing the skin that you do have. Right. Um, because, you know, that's why for me, my mom growing up, she never really wanted me to wear makeup or dye my hair. I dyed my hair last year for the first time and I'm 31. 
the very yeah. first time ever? For the very first time. I had virgin hair my whole life. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and she always told me, like, you know, not wear makeup. My mom never wore makeup, and she mm-hmm. looks my, like my sister, and she's yeah. almost 60. Yeah. So I think with, you know, having my mom always tell me not to wear makeup and just, like, be comfortable in your skin right. and even now like I'll wear bronzer she's like oh why you know yeah, like you're so you you need to do that yeah. and I'm like no stop I'm wearing under eye uh, concealer right now uh-huh. I have dark uh, circles under my eyes and they're not even because I don't sleep it's because I have translucent skin like I have really translucent skin so you can veins under my eyes so that's like my veins under my eyes has always been my uh, biggest inse- not biggest but an insecurity of mine mm-hmm. Um, so I always try to find the best under eye concealer that's long lasting. So if you're asking me about foundation, no clue. Under eye concealer, I can give you so much advice on that. Yeah? <laughs> Do you have like a go-to concealer? My go-to concealer is the Long Pro Wear from MAC. Okay. Um, I like the liquid ones because I used to wear the um, uh, like pressed liquid. Uh-huh. And uh, I have dry skin. It's so cakier. under my eyes, it would be very cakey. Yeah. Um, so I just wear the, the under eye concealer on my eyes and then some good old bronzer. I love the Lise Watsay one. I don't know if they only sell this in Canada, but what it's is a it Quebec. Uh, Lise Watsay. Oh, I don't. I think that's a Canadian thing. We're going to have to online one. shop, you guys. If you go on my YouTube channel, I did a makeup, an everyday makeup uh-huh. tutorial. Uh, the first makeup tutorial I did, it's the Lise Watsay brand that I have. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or whatever. Okay. But it's, um, it's an amazing... So, yeah, just wash your face every night. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did the mistake of trying, because I get so many products, and yeah. like, free. I'm like, oh, let me try this product. Let me try that product. And then my face was breaking out, and I didn't oh know what, what was it no. that was... Uh, yeah. So stick to whatever works for you. Because yeah. you go to Sephora, you go to the pharmacy, you're like, what do I pick? Yeah. Pick you feel and you know has been working for your skin yeah what is your ride or die like stay in shape trick because your body is crazy so like diet and workout okay um so (laughs) i've been blessed because i metabolize very quickly Uh uh-huh so yeah i go to the bathroom i take a shit four times a day like no. I eat and I go to the bathroom. Yeah. Oh my I god, that's bathroom. like my brother. Ugh, I just and I think it, I mean it's it's great, but also like, am I keeping any nutrients in my body? Because like it just goes away. Um, but I think for me, and I'm reading what I know for sure by Oprah Winfrey, and in her book she talks about how uh, her weight and how like she had a personal train, has a personal trainer. Yeah. And eat the foods that help you thrive. Mm. I don't know what anyone says. If you tell me I can't have pasta, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Pasta makes me thrive. <laughs> it makes me celebrate, but it makes me thrive. So I eat foods that I know make me feel good. I mean, every now and then I'll indulge in something that's super unhealthy, like mm-hmm. a poutine at McDonald's or, yeah. you know, like a bag of ketchup chips. I sound so Canadian. <laughs> I'm like, ketchup, you guys have no idea what that is. Poutine. Celine Dion. Um, So eat foods that make you thrive. And also find a workout routine that makes you feel good. And that you enjoy going to and that you enjoy doing. Like, I love lifting weights. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not someone, like, I tried doing Pilates and I'm like, it's great. But also, like, I want to feel like I'm dying at the end of my workout. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for me, lifting weights, because I was a gymnast, um, I think it brings me back to that state of, like, feeling like I'm back in the in a gymnasium. Yeah. Um, but that's my piece of advice. Yeah. Pilates, for me, is, like, a little bit too slow moving. It's hard. I mean, you look at it, and you're like, oh, this looks so easy. Yeah. And it's very it's hard because it goes, yeah, it goes into muscles, like, mm-hmm. these all muscles that you've never worked out before yeah. um, and it elongates you mm-hmm. before we wrap the show we do a segment every week called weekly weakness so it's all about what product or tv show or song or anything you're obsessed with this week what is your weekly weakness oh my god i'm so happy you asked me <laughs> okay i feel like i've conditioned myself to not be able to fall asleep without watching netflix i don't own a tv uh-huh. um but i do own a computer and yes. i do not own a netflix account i still use my friend's account 
Um, if she's listening, I'm sorry. Um, so I've been obsessed ever since, I would say, last week. Uh-huh. Once upon a time, I know it's an old TV show, so I'm someone that doesn't like to think while I watch TV uh-huh. because I only watch it at night, so I'm watching it to fall asleep. Right. And I want to make sure it's like a feel-good thing. Yeah. So like the Mindy Project, mm-hmm. um, uh, Great uh, Frankie and Grace and Frankie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shit's Creek. So I yeah. like watching things that will either make me laugh or that's really lighthearted. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time is just, I mean. It's twisted because of all the stories. Right. It's um, all about characters that we knew about, you know, like yeah. Mulan, Belle, and... I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, wait, without any spoilers, what is your, like, favorite character? Do you have one? Um, I do. My favorite character is Mr. Gold. Okay. I'm going to start watching, and I'm going to keep an You're going to be like, why did you like Mr. Gold? <laughs> and I think, I think he has... Um, what he's doing and whatever he decides to do, Mm -hmm. there's something positive behind it, Mm -hmm. but we only see the negative aspects of it at first. But there's, he always has, he has good intentions behind what he's doing. I'm going to start watching because I've heard so many good things about that show. I've just never seen it. Um, Please tell our listeners where they can find you and also the No Better You Foundation. So don't go on the No Better You website because it's not updated. <laughs> so you can go uh, for No Better You specifically. You can go on Instagram at No Better You. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Vanessa Grimaldi30. Uh, you can follow Help I Suck a Dating on iHeartRadio Podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. Okay. I'm going to link all of those um, projects and foundation and the links below in the show notes for you guys. And thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming on today. Of course. Thank you. So this is so fun. fun. talking to you. I know. I know. I'm, like, so happy, like, you agreed to come on. I was like, oh, my God, this is such a reach. Like, I don't know if she's even going to respond. I was like. 100%. I love, and, you know, anyone listening to this, if you see me, come and say hi. I love them. Because, like I said, I don't delegate anything. So I read all my messages. I read all my emails. Mm-hmm. I read all my comments. And oftentimes, I'll bump into someone. I'm like, you're the person that said this to me. Or you're the person that messaged me about this specifically. Oh so I God. love feeling like more connected with yeah. people that follow me or mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, support me. So I love it. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. And I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. And good luck with everything. Thank you. All right. Bye. Enjoy your day. You too. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Vanessa Grimaldi of The Bachelor, Help I Suck at Dating, and the No Better You Foundation. So she really does it all. And for somebody who is so in the spotlight, she is truly very, very nice and very genuine and very humble. And it was just a pleasure talking to her. So I'm going to link her Instagram and her foundation's Instagram down in the show notes below. With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you did, or if you enjoyed any other previous episodes, please leave me a five-star review. It really helps with the show's exposure, and it means a lot to me as well. And I will catch you guys next Friday on Vibing and Valentino. Have a good weekend. Be safe, you guys. Bye.